0: Ambassador Gary Agrapo, who served numerous assignments at the State Department in D.C., as well as postings in Nicaragua, Portugal, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Oman, twice there, Iraq, and Jerusalem. He's held a number of senior positions in the State Department, including U.S. Ambassador to the Sultanate of Oman, Minister Counselor for Political Affairs at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, is Shajda Affairs and Deputy Chief of Mission for the US Embassy in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Currently he is CEO of Equilibrium International Consulting. They affirm providing advice, guidance, and analysis of both foreign and national security affairs for business, institutions, and the media as well. More than a pleasure to have him back on the show. Ambassador Grapo. Ambassador Grapo, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon.
1: Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you for inviting me this afternoon.
0: Uh, ambassador, you uh, wrote a piece entitled "Foreign Policy Checklist for U.S. Presidential Candidates." Before we get into the specifics in your piece, we've seen some debates now. People on the right, people on the left. Um, there are people, most recently, that are accusing Donald Trump of running a reality show with regard to foreign policy. Um, as an ambassador who's worked with the State Department and, and held positions as an ambassador throughout the world and in some very um, uh, violent and you know conflicted areas. Um, are you concerned when you hear people left or right with regard to foreign policy and perhaps their lack of knowledge and experience in that area?
1: Well, of course I'm concerned, Leslie. Uh, foreign policy, most especially for the United States, is vitally Im- important, uh, certainly for what happens abroad and how it might affect us, but even internally in our own country. Uh, we are gradually moving toward an export uh economy, or at least an an economy in which exports play an increasingly important role, and therefore having stability overseas, stability in the markets to which we want to export, is vitally important. Moreover, uh, whether we want to accept it or not, uh, we are the world's lone superpower. In fact, my European colleagues refer to us very often as a hyperpower, meaning we have genuine influence in almost any place in the world where we choose, and therefore it is important, I think, for all, the Demo- uh, for all the candidates, be they Democrat or Republican, to be able to respond and respond in an informed way about how they would address the major issues facing our country abroad today.
0: Uh, you know, you talk about in your piece how the economy certainly uh, has the interest of voters first and foremost, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, what our deficit is or, more importantly, when they're going to see more zeros in their paycheck, what kind of taxes are they going to pay? Is there going to be an increase? Are there going to be jobs, uh, you know, improved jobs? I mean, the list goes on. Um, but you, you, you talk about something that I, I feel is, is reality. In a sense, we need a reality check, which is unless we are at war – foreign policy is not of great interest uh, to American voters, and it should be, and not just because of ISIS. Correct, Ambassador?
1: Absolutely. Could not agree more. Uh, So many factors uh, affect the United States and our security and stability. I mean, when we talk about ISIS, we can go to the broader question of of terrorism, and we know that uh, we are involved, whether people want to accept it or not, in a and a near war in combating terrorism, and that of course does affect America. It certainly affects our interest abroad, but of course our interest here at home and we need to be addressing that. We need to have a strategy, and I am a bit concerned that in the last few years we we have not and we 've seen groups like ISIS appear or in, in the case of some uh, arguments reappear but um Sometimes America is forced to engage in places where we never anticipated. If uh, you'll recall early on in, in uh, President Bush's, this is Bush 43's uh, administration, uh, he was forced to address a problem dealing with China, who, who forced uh, one of our, um, our reconnaissance aircraft uh, patrolling in international waters to land in China. Uh, these are the kinds of issues that arise, and right. whenever they involve the United States, it becomes a major global issue. And for Absolutely. those reasons, uh, Americans need to be concerned about uh, our role in the world today.
0: Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break, Mr. Ambassador. We'll be back. Ambassador Grappo joins us. Don't go away. Call us if you have questions. eight 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 six 610 Leslie Marshall, how you doing? Happy Monday and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. You know, if you have not received your free canister of super at the 30 day supply, I'm talking about the circulation superfood that you drink and I drink every morning. Well, now here is your chance. I'm willing to bet that at least 80% of you, my listeners right now are tired. You're feeling sluggish or you're feeling mentally drained. It's Monday, right? Well, for me, I had the same thing and my circulation on top of it. You know, you feel, you feeling me anyway? Being that dietary nitrate deficiency keeps your body from producing enough nitric oxide, which is the molecule molecule that's responsible for healthy circulation, super beets that I drink with my protein shake, I mix it in there every morning, is loaded with dietary nitrates. And guess what it does? It boosts nitric oxide for more energy. That's what I get. That's what you can get. Now, it's 10 times more effective than other beet powders. If you say, yeah, Leslie, I've heard about other beet powders. It also works three times faster. Why? Because they have patented light drying products. Process That they use. It's a delicious way to naturally support healthy blood pressure, energy, stamina, and mental sharpness. You will love it, you'll love the taste, and you'll feel the results in as little as 20 minutes, and it's guaranteed or you do not pay one cent. Super Beats now comes in black cherry flavor, so if taste was holding you back, no more excuses. I feel so confident offering this to you. I tell you about it every single day because I take it every single day. Super Beets in my protein shake, my new favorite product. Is awesome. Now, I want you to try it. I want you to have it. But I want you to have more than everybody else out there has access to. So over the next few weeks, all you have to do is log on to LeslieLovesBeats.com. Click the order button next to my picture. Or you can call 800-305-6011. And with the order, you'll get one free Super Beats canister, an extra 30-day supply, a free Beat the Odds book, and free shipping and handling. How great is that? But you have to call within the next few weeks only before it'll be all over. And you might say, well, I have weeks. No, do it now. Go to LeslieLovesBeats.com today. Click the order button next to my picture before it all ends. That's lesleylovesbeats.com or call 800-305-6011. Again, that number is 800-305-6011. Get the phone and join us. We are talking with Ambassador Grappo. I've told you about his incredible uh, background, and I want to talk to you about foreign policy as he has written about and wants to talk about and has experienced. He's written something entitled Foreign Policy Checklist for U.S. Presidential Candidates, and like I said, he held a number of senior positions in the State Department, including U.S. Ambassador to the Sultanate of Oman, and uh, also at the uh, State Department in D.C. He had postings in Nicaragua, Portugal, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, twice in Oman, Iraq, and Jerusalem, uh, rejoining us after the break here, Ambassador Grappo. Uh Mr. Ambassador, you um, talk about this uh, being an issue that needs to weigh more on the minds of Americans. And you talk about with, when we're at war, it does. Does it also, when ISIS beheads someone, Is it, it does it take that to get our attention?
1: Well, <laughs> it should not take something uh, so tragic uh, to get our attention, but very often just sometimes the way uh, our focus is in this country, these are the kinds of things that get our attention most often. Uh, but in fact, this is something, and this is, particularly important for the, the not only the highest position in our country, but probably the most important position in the world, it can't be something that's episodic. Uh, that is that this must be on the mind, certainly of our leadership, but on the minds of Americans as well. And, and I wrote this checklist piece uh, so that uh, Americans would have a guide of sorts uh, to understand, so what are the key issues that I should be focusing on? If this is something that We need to pay attention to every day, and that as a president, the next person we elect will have to pay attention to every day. Every single president, certainly during my period of public service, has had to do foreign policy, national security policy every day. So anything that takes up that much time deserves the attention of the voters, and voters need to understand, so where do these candidates stand on these critically important issues?
0: And you, you make a good list. I like this. I'd like this as a checklist given to all voters. Uh, let's break it down, and, and, and you do break it down to a handful. Uh, first, you put, and are these, first of all, uh, Mr. Ambassador, are these in any particular order? No, they are not. Okay. But number one, you list, and again, not in particular order, folks, maintaining European integrity and stability. And uh, I think, you know, what you're talking about here and what you write about is Europe's tendency, which is growing to look inward and ignore the problems of its neighbors or elsewhere, very opposite from what we, the United States, seem to do.
1: No, that's true. Uh, And uh, we are seeing a growing tendency in this direction because of a number of, I won't call them crises yet, but they're certainly near crises, uh, certainly with uh, Russians' uh, invasion and annexation of Crimea in Ukraine uh, and then movement into eastern Ukraine. Uh, the, uh, the Greek debt crisis and now the refugee crisis. And when Europe comes under these kinds of pressures, particularly having gone through a period of, shall we say comfort and complacency, uh, they tend to close doors in many cases. Uh, they tend to shut borders, uh, they tend to look inward and not outward. and this is something uh, that we can't afford to let them to do. And so the thrust of my argument is how do we reengage with Europe? Uh, on these critically important issues, and there will be some to follow to ensure that Europeans, the European Union, and those European countries who are members of NATO remain as engaged as we are in the global issues that confront us all.
0: Uh, let's look at the one that you list as uh, second, and that is re- returning stability to the Middle East. Some people feel that's impossible, and you do not. You have more optimism r- with regard to
1: that. Well, um optimism and and hope to a diplomat are like courage to a soldier. You have to have it in order to work as a diplomat anywhere in the world, but most especially the Middle East. There's no question. This is a huge challenge, and I would not expect any of the candidates to have a quick answer or even necessarily the right answer, but we need to know how all of these candidates propose to address uh, all of these uh, issues that are just seething in this cauldron uh, that we call the Middle East today, and it's not just the crises that we know about, whether it's Syria, whether it's Yemen, whether it's terrorism, Iraq, but um, some of the ones that we don't see very often in terms of uh, the rampant unemployment there, the terrible state of the environment, uh, antiquated education, health, these aren't necessarily our problems. They are not our problems. Nevertheless, they have a bearing on the stability of those countries, and that is a concern of ours. So, keeping the Middle East or restoring stability to the Middle East is vitally important to the security of our country because we have so many interests there, and it's not just oil.
0: Uh, Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, You've know, you definitely lived in the Middle East longer than I have. I I was in Israel briefly in 1996, but you see it with a different pair of eyes when you're there, especially uh, day to day. Um, You also talk about confronting the Iranian challenge, and I think this is interesting as uh, there are varying reports coming out uh, since we uh, became a part of that international uh, agreement. Uh, some people like to call it a treaty, although it's not technically being called a treaty uh, with Iran over their nuclear weapons. Uh, talk to us about Iran, because I know Iran poses challenges on several fronts.
1: Well, uh, some candidates have, have talked about um, if they were elected the first day in office or some period during their uh, their office, Uh, that uh, they would discontinue our involvement in this agreement. I don't think that's a rational solution. I don't think the world's uh, greatest superpower can afford to do something like that, even though we may not like uh, what this administration negotiated. Uh, There may be ways to make this agreement uh, stronger, and those need to be considered, and and we ought to hear what the candidates have to say. But uh, more importantly, I think the president will have to work with the Congress to look at uh, those actions that this country can take to ensure that there is absolutely no violations whatsoever in this agreement. Moreover, we need to ensure that the Iranians understand that under no circumstances will we ever allow, and the key word here is ever, allow Iran to possess a nuclear weapon. That was supposed to be the original intention of the agreement. Some argue that it didn't achieve that, be that as it may. We need to find a way to ensure that that never happens. And then secondly, with respect to Iran, we need to confront what is happening and what Iran is doing in the Middle East, whether it's Iraq and Syria, whether it's Yemen, whether it's elsewhere, particularly in its support for extremist groups. Uh, And um, we haven't heard that yet. And then finally, uh, and this is on the more positive side, and this is what diplomacy can achieve, uh, Iran has signed on to this agreement. Uh, And the president has stated he hopes that it will serve as a segue to Iran becoming a more responsible member of the international community and perhaps even forging some kind of a relationship with the United States, which, of course, we do not have at all right now. Um, And we need to hear from the candidates how they might address that, that issue as well. Can we possibly have a decent relationship with Iran, one that's productive for both countries?
0: Uh, absolutely, no question. Um, let Let's continue with the list. And uh, next on the list, and again, folks, this is no particular order. If you are taking notes, um, let's talk about China. And you talk about keeping China's rise peaceful. Very different than the way other people uh, would talk about it. But um, you, you, and I agree with you. The next president is going to have their hands full with more um, relationship problems perhaps, or diplomacy necessary with China uh, than current and former presidents?
1: Without question. And this is a really naughty problem because if you look at the history of rising powers versus established powers, it's not good. And you can go all the way back to uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, it, there very rarely has been a positive outcome. But in this particular case, China and the United States, neither country nor the world can afford a repetition of history of a rising power versus an established power, which turns into a global conflict, a global conflict which would be terribly destructive for both of our countries and the world. And so it will be incumbent on our next president uh, and the diplomats who will serve him or her to manage this relationship, and also on the Chinese. They need to understand that they are going to have to play by the rules Uh, and saying simply, well, our rise to power can't be judged by different set than when America rose to power. Well, unfortunately, circumstances are what they are. This is not 1945 or 1946. It'll be 2016. And the circumstances will have to be taken as they are, and the two countries will have to work together to uh, ensure that China's rise to a global power, which is eminent, is done in a peaceful way, in a way that promotes development, growth for the entire world, just as America's rise ultimately promoted a growth for the entire world. If you look at the economic figures when America assumed its – perch as the largest economy in the world which is in the latter part of the 19th century global economic growth just skyrocketed largely because of the united states we were a huge demand economy and people had export opportunities in turn we contributed lots of technology they were interrupted by the two world wars and the great depression but nevertheless uh, it was a great engine for growth and china's rise to a great power can also be a great engine of economic growth and prosperity for the world if it's managed in a peaceful way. And that's going to be a challenge for both countries. And we ought to be hearing from these presidential candidates how they're going to do that. And not a lot of uh, barbs being flung at the Chinese. Yes, these are real problems that they may be talking about, but confrontation is not the way two great powers are going to uh, resolve their differences.
0: In the opening of your piece, you had a sentence in which you included climate change as a matter of foreign policy. And in item number five, when you list them, you write climate change, refugees, and human trafficking. Now, refugees, I think a lot of people are aware of. Because we, you know, hear different thoughts, and of course there's fear with regard to how many people from ISIS are, you know, seeping through, whether it be into the EU or here when we take what it is, what is it, is, what is it, eight, ten thousand, 10,000, and then, you know, borders uh, to our north with Canada, how many are they taking? The list goes on, uh, especially when you look at the number Germany is taking. Um, but you put climate change, refugees, and human trafficking. First, how is climate change or maybe the argument over whether there is climate change or what causes it. How is that part of foreign policy? And then speak to us about this category number five, climate change, refugees, and human trafficking.
1: Well, climate change is just so important because it's it's it, it's an, an issue that no single country can solve. The United States could move today toward non-fossil fuel fuels, and we would still have a problem with, uh, with climate change. Uh, and that's just a fact of life, and you can't change it. Moreover, uh, it, uh, 95% of the world scientists have now stepped up, even those who may previously have doubted it, and said it is happening. Uh, and we can let the scientists debate whether humans are responsible for it or not. The fact of the matter is it is happening, and we have to decide how we're going to address it. What corrective actions can we take? We are without question a major contributing factor in climate change. There may be some natural ones as well, which, when combined with what we do, uh, exacerbate the problem. But let's move beyond what is the cause now, since it's been verified it's happening, and work with countries around the world and lead the countries around the world in finding a solution to this. We have a well-earned reputation for innovation and creativity And drive when it comes to policy as well as technology. Let's apply it here and let's get our arms around the problem of climate change to see what we can do to arrest it.
0: And then you include and you include it. Well, we have less than 60 seconds. I want folks uh, to read this. Uh, it's very, very uh, informative and educational. Um, it's called The Fair Observer, where you can find it. We're going to post the link on all of our sites, and I definitely hope that you will check out this great piece by somebody who has quite uh, the knowledge. Um, also, he frequently writes for Global Post, as well as Fair Observer, where you can find this great piece, and FIC reform of the Washington Institute for Near East Policy. All published articles can also be accessed through his LinkedIn page, so link in to Ambassador Grappo. He possesses nearly 40 years of diplomatic, public policy, management, and leadership experience in a variety of public, private, and nonprofit endeavors. Currently, CEO of Equilibrium International Consulting, a firm providing advice, guidance, and analysis of foreign and national security affairs for business institutions and the media. He also writes and speaks frequently on Middle East affairs and foreign policy, as you just heard him do here. Mr. Ambassador, thank you for joining us and being a part of the program again. Good to have you back.